0: welcome to the dive table i'm jay gardner and back with me is our fifth co-host of the season coming again all the way from across the country in beautiful old bay loving maryland mr greg wolf greg how are you doing today
1: i'm good man good to uh see you again and be back uh back on the show
0: back on the show we were actually just joking about the fact that i thought episode one went really well and we had a we have a good rapport, um, you know, together. But then you reminded me that's probably because we've almost killed each other a couple times under the water. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's. um I mean, it doesn't get any closer than uh, almost being the cause of each other's demise. On, <laughs> and to say that it was multiple times within a week is. Probably an understatement because it was really only like five days.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Good, good point. And, and we're referring to, of course, some technical training you and I took together um, and we're we're teammates on. And, um, and I, think, I think the funniest story from that, we could just tell the story because I think it's funny. You know, when you're doing some of this training, it's, it's not just, you know, you're on a line demonstrating skills, right? That's not kind of the training you and I. Enjoy and, and get the most of so you 're far from it yeah you 're diving, and then things happen, so your instructor, a good technical instructor, is going to use the mistakes that you make naturally and take them to their natural consequence right and and right. we need to solve those in as a team under the water right in in mm-hmm. the technical training, so the one that sticks out to me there there 's a couple of them, but the one that I think was the funniest to me was um you know, we're diving along and, and obviously we're, we're going to have some deco later in the dive and off we go. And, uh, you know, our instructor was really sneaky. He was really good at us not noticing. I mean, he stole your entire deco bottle at one point and he went to do your oh, switch yeah. and he your, took your deco a friend out
1: of one of your regulators. <laughs> well, that's the story I was going to tell you tell was that we're diving along
0: and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I try to get my attention. And I'm like, Hey, okay. What's going on? and uh and you pull out your wet notes and you tell me you know hey he just stole the diaphragm out of your regulator on your clean it up a little bit Gico. clean it up yeah. <laughs> it <was> like, what
1: <laughs> you took my diaphragm like okay you know what's even crazier to me that th- i actually met a diver and i was telling this story to him on sunday and I mentioned, he was like, how did he do that? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, Well, you just take his glove off? And I was like, no, he was wearing dry gloves.
0: Yeah, yeah. He He did it wearing gloves. Popped it
1: out. (laughs) So the funny part is,
0: is he caught you telling me. (laughs) He (laughs) caught you. And so later, you paid for it, right? Um, Because all of a sudden, here we go. We're at our deco stop. I do my switch or whatever. I'll point to you. I think I was deco captain. I said, I'll point to you. Go ahead and do your switch. you reach down to uh, to to do your switch, and your bottle's gone. <laughs> it's gone. You <Like, laughs> stole your whole bottle. You know, not just the diaphragm out of. Yep. So now I ha- I know we know as a team because you you saw it and gave me the information that I'm compromised because we can't breathe from my rag uh, because I don't have a diaphragm in it, and you don't have one anymore. And so you know. it put the team in a pretty precarious situation to try and solve that underwater, which we did. And we were, we figured out how to do with our third teammate um, in, in that moment. But uh, I think that was a, that was a fun, a fun story other than, that wasn't where we killed each other. That was where we, we got a little too cocky and thinking that we were, uh, we could, we could get in front of our instructor and, and solve it
1: before the problem occurred. And, and then, Got told yeah, that's
0: showed that's not the
1: case. Part of that training phase of uh, knocking you back down a peg after you think you <laughs> get into the get into the motions. Yeah, 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 exactly. So well,
0: we can tell other stories of how we all almost killed each other later, uh, but this, yeah. I thought that was a good one. So we we've been through it before. You know, we've had lots of late night, uh, early morning conversations uh, in the past, and I think that's what made episode one great. So I'm excited about episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in this one, we wanted to have a little bit more fun. And we, <laughs> we had a heavy topic in like, you know, underwater archaeology and trying to tackle that where we can look at our desert island dives. In other words, you know, there's the, the setup here is really simple. Back in the day, there was this radio show that I used to listen to all the time called Desert Island Discs. And it was like, mm-hmm. here's the disc that you, would, you need to have with you Literally the CDs uh, dating myself. Um, if you were stuck on a desert island, to not drive yourself nuts with music. So obviously for me, I would not want uh, anything near me. You know, like Margaritaville. That would, <laughs> I can imagine being stuck on a desert island and only <laughs> Jimmy Buffett is what's in the radio. Would be just like a that's like a version of hell. I don't want to be a part of.
1: I take that to the personal offense. Do you? I you love, you're a Buffett for a fan? Buffett. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm yeah, a- no. yeah. Yeah, actually we just uh, my wife there's a dinner theater by us and uh, we just saw the play Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville like 2 or oh, 3 goodness. weeks ago. Have you oh.
0: eaten at a Cheeseburger in Paradise yet? That that would, mm-hmm. that would tell me if you're a real fan. No,
1: but that was one of the songs that they did in the play.
0: Oh, see, uh, see there's there's a whole <laughs> restaurant chain called Cheeseburger in Paradise. You got to get yeah. you got to find and, somewhere.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they, like, put bacon on there because then we can connect that to Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon.
0: (laughs) I'm sure Jimmy Buffett's been in some video with Kevin Bacon. We just don't know about it. So it's got to be on YouTube somewhere. But for this one, we wanted to do our desert island dives um, as it relates to underwater archaeology. So with that underwater archaeology. So you and I have both picked three dive sites that we really want to dive with a specific view of their archaeological relevance and interest to us both so i think what we'll do is just kind of take turns go back and forth and you know talk about these dive sites what's the name of the dive site maybe if we know it the profile of the dive where's it located and you know what makes it interesting why is it interesting to you greg or why is it interesting to me to dive this site uh you know and and whether that be a week or a month or a day or whatever duration, what would be our ideal version of getting to dive this site? So you ready to, to jump into the desert island dives, underwater archeology span edition? Sure.
1: Yeah. Let's do it.
0: All right. So desert island dives, number one, underwater archeology span edition, Greg, what's, and these aren't ordered necessary, like mm-hmm. one, two, three in preference. They're just, you know, top three, and they might, you know, all fit into the same level of uh, excitement and interest for you. But what, what's your your first one on your list that you want to you want to dive?
1: The first one that I put down um, is going to be the HMS Endeavour, uh, I believe that's when they found it. It was um, what the 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 leading hypothesis on it uh, last I read about is that it was one of five shipwrecks that they found. Um, off the as part of off the coast of Australia as part of the Great Barrier Reef um, system and uh, that of course being the uh, famous ship of uh, Captain James Cook mm-hmm. uh, he was one of the first ones to make it to the east coast of Australia uh, by ship and uh, one of the, the reason I picked this one is one for the historical significance but two uh, it's my understanding that it was renamed the HMS Lord Sandwich. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So um that was the first, the, when I was learning about this shipwreck, I was like, the Lord Sandwich. I was like, I have to know more about it. So yes. that's, I got to dive this thing. I got to go see why it is the Lord Sandwich. And it's right
0: out north of like Goat Island, right? So you, yeah. You know, so. There yeah.
1: you go. So it's, it's very diveable. Um, uh, I, I don't know if there's any... um like legal protections around it that might stop people from diving it. But as far as I'm aware, it's still within recreational limits.
0: So, yeah, no, that's cool. The, uh, the interesting part there of the Earl of sandwich, it's been weird. There was a whole, uh, thing around the Earl of sandwich, like why we call sandwiches sandwiches, right? Which is Mm -hmm. a weird thing. And it's because this Earl, apparently this is the story, I guess, or the, the myth um, liked a piece of meat between a slice two slices of bread right and so it became known as a sandwich and because this Earl liked it that way <laughs> right? so that's the story right <laughs> and what's funny you brought it up it's because I, I, it, I've actually been telling myself so like no offense Texas no offense Texas because people in Texas are gonna be offended by this I'm sure natives at least but to me, a California and Southern California guy, there's just, you can't hold a candle to Southern California Mexican food. You just, you just can't like Tex-Mex is good. It has its own amazing pieces and parts, but from what I think of Mexican food, like, you know, back here in San Diego, I'm just, uh, you know, in hog heaven as, as I can imagine. it. But what's been weird, sorry, this is totally not <laughs> off on a tangent, but what's been weird is I've really like in the last month or so really getting gotten into like sandwiches. I don't know why all of a sudden it's like, I want I'm craving a tuna sandwich that I can make, or I'm craving a whatever sandwich. And, um, and so anyway, it's funny you bring up the Earl sandwich because sandwiches have just been on my mind lately. And, uh, I don't know. See, it's all connected in some weird way in the universe that James cook, the Earl sandwich and Jay Gardner wanting to eat sandwiches
1: <laughs> and Kevin bacon, bacon on the sandwich. I got to correct myself. Um, Oh, Yeah, apparently the HMB Endeavor. Oh, that's interesting. So now I'm looking up where exactly it is because I thought it was one of those wrecks that they found in the Great Barrier Reef, but now some internet options are saying that it's somewhere in Rhode Island.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, oh man, I got to brush up on my my maritime (laughs) and my (laughs) theology. I'm a horrible student. Oh, man.
0: Well, I I think... I have no idea because yeah. this is not on my list. <laughs> Isn't the HMB Endeavor the the recreation of the ship?
1: um oh, HMS is actually the, the one that's in Rhode Island. The sunk. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the case. Um, I don't know. We need to. We you can while I'm doing my next one, you can ask Google and then come back and yeah. tell me. But I think I think that's the HMS is the replica. Or, I'm sorry, HMB is the wreck HMB rep- is the rec- And the HMS is the actual sunken yeah. ship that was commanded by James Cook. Yeah. Captain uh, Cook.
1: No, this one's from CBS News right here. It says uh, the famous endeavor of uh, James, Ca- James Cook's legendary ship possibly found off Rhode Island. Wow. Ah, interesting. So, Australian right, well, maritime experts found it, apparently.
0: So why for you, what, what, wherever,
1: it is. <laughs> <laughs> wherever it is, wherever
0: it might be, it might be here in San Diego. It might be yeah. in a Texas lake. You don't know. The mystery that, of it will intrigue that's you. That's
1: history. History is constantly evolving. So maybe more evidence will show up and maybe it will be one of those five shipwrecks scuttled off of Australia. Or, or, or,
0: who knows? So what makes it interesting to you? Why, why that ship?
1: Uh, I mean, it's a famous ship. Um, you know, everybody knows the okay, good,
0: we're good. Cool. Okay, so Just... you were saying Elizabeth Aryan oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, uh, era. There you yeah,
1: yeah, I like the, um, those old, uh, ship of the line style of a uh, sail in that age of, um, exploration and discovery. And I think there's a, a certain aesthetic to, uh, Old sailing ships of the day of the 1700s.
0: Interesting. Do, do you have a preference between, you know, because I mean there were their empire building happening in that period of history. So there was the Spanish, there were mm-hmm. the English, there was obviously the Dutch, um, and we're, we're really kind of the main players, I would probably say, in in that type of of travel and yeah. trade. So do you have a preference on? you know the dutch design of the ship versus the english design or the or the you know spanish design or, or no practice um, at all
1: the the portuguese were and portuguese um, that's right yeah the portuguese were very much into um shipbuilding they had um some very high quality uh ships for back then in fact a lot of um like in the uh the middle east um, a lot of uh what was like the, the caliphates back then, even caliphates in Spain, um, way, way back in the day would actually go to Portugal to, uh, study shipbuilding because of how renowned they were. Hmm. Uh, So I think a, a lot of them were very similar in some ways, as far as engineering goes. And a lot of them were different in other ways, but as far as the quality of ships goes and a preference for that, I would say that the Portuguese probably made some of the best ships.
0: Ah, I mean, I mean interesting. So, and that's a particular interest. Like to find a Portuguese wreck would be a particular uh, interest for you.
1: I mean, yeah, that'd be that would be cool.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, you know. We then we got to do we got to ask Google about that. Then <laughs> we got to figure out yes. where a good preserved historical Portuguese ship would be. That would be super interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I. It's funny. I spent a lot of time in. Uh, in the Netherlands uh, for work, you, you know, for for a few years there, and I, I love the Dutch. Um, I, I just love it's, and it's weird because it's like the Netherlands, and we're Dutch, and this is Holland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of those weird identity crises. But I have to admit to myself, and this may be racist, I don't know, and I apologize if it is. But uh, I remember walking around and going like, you know, these are the these are the descendants of pirates. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all really big, like for the most part, except for the Dutch guy we know. He's he's a small Dutch guy, but most of the yeah. Dutch guys are like the I think the tallest in general, the tallest, biggest people in in the world. Or they're up there, one number one or number two. And I always just walked around going like, and then you go on some of the ship rep- replicas. Cause there's a lot of them, like in Amsterdam and uh, and other other areas. You know, well, how, why did they build such tiny ships? <laughs> They're such big people. Yeah. Why do they have these tiny, tiny quarters in their ships and tiny houses and things? But anyway, I always find it interesting, like the, the Dutch trade and Dutch history. You know, you even think about, you know, the the first stock market and all these sorts of things that existed that came from the tulip trade and the colors of, of the tulips and all this history that exists there. Super interesting. I spent a lot of time, like I said, there learning a lot about history and, and the trade there, just on my free time when I wasn't working, so. Cool, so number one, HMS or B or Q or whatever. Uh,
1: the Lord Endeavor. Sandwich, formerly known as the HMS Endeavor.
0: Yeah, you're making me hungry. I just uh, I wanna go get a sandwich now. <laughs> hungry Bear Deli, shout out, here in Vista, California. Shout really? out, oh my gosh, they make a killer Reuben. I, I, man, all right, I'll go to my first one mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, cue Johnny Depp, who I know for sure was in a movie with Kevin Bacon at some point. So <laughs> I don't know which one, but it has to be true. Uh, cue Johnny Depp, cue that fun Pirates of the Caribbean music. Uh, for me, number one on my list was uh, Port Royal in Jamaica, mm-hmm. also known as the city that sank. So the story here is Port Royal was founded in 1518. It was really the center of shipping and commerce in the Caribbean during the latter half of that 17th century. And in 1692, specifically the date, June 7th, three days after my birthday, by the way, if anyone wants to wish me happy June 4th, not 1692, although that would be cool. It's June 4th, 1692. How I don't know how old I'd be. It'd be very old, but uh, on June seventh, sixteen ninety two, a massive earthquake, something like seven and a half magnitude, hit the island, and the city that was built on sand, basically liquefied, right? The buildings, roads, citizens, basically went into quicksand, uh, into the ground. And it said that the geysers erupted, buildings collapsed, and then finally, <laughs> if, if that wasn't enough, the city was then hit by tsunami waves uh, that would drag the rest of whatever had not been destroyed out to sea. And in the end, they estimate something like 51 acres of the city disappeared under the water, uh, four of the five forts destroyed, submerged, I mean, just wrecked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with that, We go from land archaeology to underwater archaeology to go and check out this awesome port, right? Uh, A port of the Caribbean. And uh, what's interesting, too, you know, since the 50s, I think divers have been exploring it. So, I mean, that's a long time for that to sit under the water. And then finally scuba diving becomes something that people can do. And in the 50s, we start to explore it so far what i know of is that in the most famous artifact that's been discovered there was in i think 1970 1969 somewhere in there this diver named edwin link i think discovered a pocket watch that was dated 1686 that stopped exactly at 1143 (laughs) when the earthquake supposedly (laughs) happened so that was the the most famous um artifact that's been found there so far it's
1: actually a very good find you know that's something that literally tells you what time yeah something happened yeah crazy right it doesn't get any more conclusive than that i guess yeah
0: exactly i I think it's that's really cool that's the one that stuck out to me uh dive profile i think it's max depth something like 40 50 feet it's not very deep Uh, that's not bad but it requires special permission from the local authorities, uh, from what mm-hmm. I've heard, it's easily organized through dive operators um, to go and dive it. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not sure if there are any active digs or or, or projects going on um, currently. But uh, but that's so interesting to me. I mean, I don't know, pirates and a city that literally liquefied, and you're talking about you know a hub of Caribbean trade. And mm-hmm. you're also talking about Island and Island weather, like all these different aspects just combine into what sounds like an awesome trip for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and getting to see, you know, like I said, yeah, it's been dope for the last 60, 70 years, but still it's, you know, there are pieces and parts and things. I look at some of the photos and I just go like, man, this looks like a really cool place just to be a cool environment to be in. So Number one on my list was Port Royal, Jamaica, to go see the city that sank. And I think it would be a really cool, like, week long or two week trip, um, diving that site, checking out all the different aspects of it. And then I think if you combine that with, you know, doing some research beforehand, but then also being able to do some, like, shore visits to historical museums that have pulled artifacts out of that. I'm not quite sure where all those artifacts exist, but I know there are some um in Jamaica and then I you know other reason that it's interesting to me is a long time ago so uh, I'm dating myself now I'm not that long ago but when I graduated high school it's you know it's it's funny uh, I didn't have a lot of money growing up and so uh, uh, you know people go on these graduation trips and that was just out of reach for me but there were was an opportunity to become an organizer for the trip and that gave you a discount pretty big discount and then there was a regional organizer for our school high school trip that gave you basically it for free. And I, by happenstance, became a school organizer. Even though I couldn't afford to go on the trip, I was going to organize the trip. And then the regional organizer dropped out last minute, so I became that. And I got to go on my high school graduation trip to Jamaica, to Kingston. And it was awesome. It was the first time I traveled internationally. It was awesome trip i remember most of it <laughs> not all of it <laughs> uh you know and all that but uh but i would love to go back there i really enjoyed um what i got to see of jamaica and i'd like to go back now with a little bit more roundedness in my travel and in my brain than being a recently graduated high school student uh to go back and see some of the the historical relevance and just didn't enjoy the the island and and what it has yeah. to offer so that's why it's interesting to me, and Port Royal made my list.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, um, especially for like the golden age of piracy, a lot of history down there in the islands. Um, I don't know about on Jamaica, but I know on Nassau, the uh, the main capital island of the Bahamas, um, they have a uh, pirate's museum that probably has uh, all the cool artifacts there. I, it was closed when I went in 2016. I went right after a hurricane hit. Oh unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, they, I mean, as far as archaeology goes, I'm sure they've got a bunch of cool stuff in the exhibits there to go and look at. And the history of the islands is all probably there. Yeah. Do you have, no, a, you cool. have a favorite pirate by speaking of, you know, it's North a, oil. it's a good
0: question. It's a good question. I, I don't think I have a favorite. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think there because there's different pirates, right? There's privateers and pirates. Then there's, you know, English captains who became privateers, who became pirates. And I, I don't know, the whole history of that is super interesting to me. So, like, you know, there, there are famous pirates, right? You, you mentioned, yeah. you know, Cook, Captain Cook,
1: who wasn't really a
0: pirate. I mean, became a privateer, I believe.
1: Yeah. Um, but the only difference between a privateer and a pirate was that privateers had uh, permission to go and be pirates. <laughs> yeah, to be pirates. They only became pirates when privateering stopped being a thing.
0: Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the whole period of history is interesting to me. And I think I think the reason why outside of like – Okay. Where does it really come from? Probably me being raised 30 minutes from Disneyland and loving the pirates of the Caribbean ride. Let's be honest. (laughs) That's probably where my interest really came from. But, uh, but it is, I mean, there's this, this, like this avatar of pirate standing for something, um, you know, being outside of the norm because I mean, they were, like you said, privateers were just legitimized pirates. They had a function and, and a role and a reason. It wasn't just to to rob and steal and you know be Captain Hook and prevent you know Peter Pan from being happy. Uh, there was a whole it was a profession right in, in yep. its own right, and so yep. that whole thing of like being outside of the norm has always been attractive to me. I've always seen myself as kind of that black flag, Jolly Roger. Um, I'm attracted to that rather than going with the flow, just my natural personality. You're,
1: so you're a natural rebel.
0: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, in other ways, I'm I'm like Dudley Do Right. So, I, but but
1: <laughs> I think there's a
0: there's a conflict in my head between those things, and I, I would like to lean into the, the Jolly Roger Black Flag side of it more than I would the the other. But go. yeah, anyway, that's my number one. What, what's your number number two?
1: My number two. Um, this one's not really an archaeological site um, because, as far as I'm aware, they haven't found it yet. But the USS Cyclops. Ooh, I haven't heard this one. Okay. Yeah, um so the I I don't know how to pronounce that collier, coller, um basically during World War I, um they would some ships were designed basically like freighters to move coal. Um and the USS Cyclops uh was a collier, coller um, that went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. Um it's kind of sparked Ooh, that. All right. Yes, it's one of those ones that sparked the, uh, the missing ships that would go sailing in the Bermuda Triangle and added to the, uh, the supernatural aspects of how things went missing. Uh, and it's, it's made uh, some appearances in pop culture. But just uh, knowing what happened to those sailors, what happened to that ship, I think would be a pretty cool mystery to solve. Maybe that'll be my my first uh, expedition to make when I get my degree and beg for grant money
0: <laughs> <laughs> no kidding so so yeah. you you so what's interesting to you about that is not only the wreck site but also the circumstances surrounding how she built yep.
1: yeah um, I mean no one really knows no one's found it there's been some speculation about um, you know like enemy ships World War one uh, submarines started becoming a thing. I mean, submarines have like been a thing for hundreds of years up to that point, but the German U-boats really started becoming more and more, um, I don't want to say like popular, but they became more capable around that one world war one era and moving into world war two, um, is when they really, really started wreaking havoc. So there's some speculation as to whether or not it was hit by a U-boat. Um, maybe it got, Um, It crashed into something and then kind of tried limping back to port and just didn't make it. Uh, No one really knows. So I think uh, it it would be potentially a grave. So I think finding it and marking it for those sailors that were part of the crew would be a a nice way of getting closure to a, uh, a mystery.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's really interesting that aspect we haven't talked about yet in either one of these episodes of of particularly wreck diving, which is it, when it's a virgin wreck, definitely is considered underwater archaeology, right? You're you're seeing something that has historical reference to how it sank and things like that, and that was something that really stood out to me from hearing and talking with a lot of these. Um, people that are focused a lot on wreck diving and particularly World War II wreck diving, whether that be, uh, you know, ships or, or planes, um, you know, eventually even helicopters later in wars, which is pretty interesting, mm-hmm. and things that they talk about, you know, part of the payoff of all the work that goes in that isn't the diving, right? Discovering coordinates and striking out and getting permission and you know, getting funding, all these things that you're kind of talking about that go into even trying to find this ship in the first place. Part of the payoff in some ways, um, once you're able to actually locate and identify that wreck in some ways and understand maybe, based on the condition of the wreck, the circumstances in which that particular wreck ended up there, that the families or survivors of those sailors or of those you know airmen um, have some closure you're able to close that door in some way to the to the lineage of hey here's where where the final resting place of your ancestor was and i I never really thought about that or uh, i I just hadn't passed my mind in that way of discovering a wreck and how cool wreck diving can be that, that aspect of it. So it's cool that you bring that up and that, that discovery could, could really not only be really cool to understand the circumstances, all those things, but also bring some closure for, you know, lots of families out there that, that are survivors of those, those sailors that were on that ship that mm-hmm. really don't know the circumstances of how their loved one may have, may have died or how their, their ancestor passed. Yeah.
1: And, uh, going on to, uh, diving Virgin wrecks, you know, just to, sort of build up on what you were talking about like they they are graves so if you know kind of circling back to what we discussed on the last episode as far as like treasure hunting and stuff you know if you're diving a virgin wreck and there's been known casualties on there and you're taking stuff it's not just treasure hunting it's also grave robbing in a way and that Happened a lot as well. And I know for a fact that the Navy and Coast Guard have had to go to some of these wrecks and weld them shut because of treasure hunters and grave robbing. And, you know, so that's another another candle to put on top of the cake.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like that saying. I haven't yeah. heard that one. Another candle to put on top of the cake. Just made it up. Oh, did you? Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. That's an impressive well, one. Thank Let's, you. We should thank keep you. that. I'm full of idioms. There you go. All right, I'll, I'll go to my number two. Um, mm-hmm. So my number two, uh, one, it's fun to say, but there are reasons beyond that, is Lake Titicaca. So this is in uh, Bolivia or Peru. Now, this is probably not a dive that I'm just going to do. You, know, it's not like you, mm-hmm. you book it and you go, right? Because uh, number one, it's one of the highest lakes in the world. I think it's something like Four thousand meters, which four thousand times three, what's that? Twelve thousand feet, right? Um, Did we just do math on the show? Wow, there we go. Twelve thousand somewhere around there. Don't want to do math. Yeah. Um, So it's yeah something like, you know, twelve thousand feet above sea level, somewhere around there, which is crazy, right? So Mm. one, you're you're altitude diving, right? And and um, and also you need to get there. So there's that whole process of acclimating to the heights that exist um there but it's super interesting because it is part of an area that's the earliest known kind of pre-columbian port in the incan world and so when you talk about you know the the incan uh, temples and, and history and, and all of that 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 roots itself in peru and bolivia in that part of the world this lake is kind of the the port right uh the the pre-columbian earliest ports that's there um and they, there has been few expeditions there there have been some that are uh, officially funded I think and and they've taken things out uh, of there uh, but not a lot obviously because the it's not a recreational you know go on a weekend or or a, or a trip type of dive site so that's interesting to me it's there isn't a scuba shop there to do your gas fills. So that, the logistics of planning this thing are just massive. And it would be, I think, a really interesting thing to take on is one of the parts that interested to me. The other part of it is I think that there's still a lot to, to look at. I think there was a death um, already of an archaeological diver there. Um, because of those logistics and and all of the things that that go into the elevation, and the conditions, um, I think I remember reading about that, and and that's sad. And so again, you have a level of 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 danger that I do <laughs> enjoy, which I should, really shouldn't. But uh, I tend to enjoy having to think through those things and and really prepare and and be well trained for it. But some of the things that they've they've found, you um, know, their is they've done some carbon dating on some of the the bones and they believe them to be uh, victims of human sacrifice Uh, and they date them somewhere between the 8th and the 10th centuries century right somewhere in there so there's a lot of unique um, history there and there's a lot of collaboration that has to happen between the underwater archaeologists and the indigenous communities of the area because it's not just about you know, the, the understanding of, of history, it's also the cultural relevance. And, and a lot of times that cultural relevance has spiritual or religious or ancestral charges to it. So it's just a really, I don't know, I like complex things that, that not a lot of people can do. And Lake Titicaca is one of those that it's not accessible to the public. It's, it's going to be one of those things that you get lucky and it's a lifetime um, experience to mm-hmm. be able to do that. So it made my list for those reasons. I don't know the dive profile. I don't know the depth of water or, or even what the site layout looks like and how they've explored it. But I've seen photos and it's just such a foreign dive site to anything else that you see diving related that it just really sparks my interest. And if I can, you know, uh, train and I'm good enough to be able to be on an expedition like that. Um, that's something that I would, I would definitely entertain being able to do.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds like a, sounds like a real experience to go out there and do a dive of that magnitude with that logistics. I mean, mo- we, weird way of looking at it is that most of diving takes place on the surface anyway. Yeah. You know, the, the driving, the flying, the social aspect, the logistics echoes behind it all, you know, you could spend thousands of dollars and spend hours of travel just to get 30 minutes of bottom time.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Who knows?
1: But well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a cool one.
0: Especially when it comes to things like this, right? That, that. Even in underwater archaeology in general or underwater science in a lot of ways is there's so much work that I've talked to from explorers, uh, underwater explorers that talk about so much surface work on just accessing the site with the landowners and, and all of these sorts mm-hmm. of things are building uh, the ability to bring logistic, logistically scuba gear and tanks and things to that site. So there's so much groundwork, work that goes into something like this to even be able to go into the water. Um, it's exciting to me. It also sounds daunting. And it's a team effort. All these aspects of things that I think are, are super interesting. And who knows what you'll find. I mean, it's not really about what you find. It's more about the experience of of doing it for me that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, Um No, for sure. I mean, I'm very interesting in what I would find, even if you don't find anything, not, not finding something and being certain Mm -hmm. that you didn't find something there is one way of gathering information.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You know, like if you're, if you're looking for something and it's not there and you can confirm that it's not there, then, you know, it's not there. And that adds to future efforts and endeavors and, you know, the list goes on there. But the the logistics of going through it um i think that that in, in and of itself is valuable experience being able to navigate the paperwork and all that effort that goes into planning these types of dives exactly um, exactly all right cool yeah. what's your last
0: one last but not least your, your third one uh,
1: last one that i picked i picked uh anti which is the island that was uh just off of the city of Alexandria in Egypt. Uh, I think it was uh, f- the year of 365 that um, they estimate it to have been uh, sunk. It uh, wow. there was an earthquake in the eastern Mediterranean near Crete that uh, caused a ty- uh, tsunami that sunk this city. And um, I, they found it in 1996. Um, and they found some really cool stuff there. There's a, a palace there that was uh, believed to have actually been Cleopatra's.
0: Yeah, yeah, Cleopatra's palace. palace. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, uh, e- Egyptology being as extensive as it is, um, and just the, the diving in Egypt altogether, I think taking a trip out there and making sure that that site is one of the ones I get to dive. I think would be a really cool experience, and the water's really clear there, so you get some great photos. And I think just like kind of living in the diving in and around that a sunken city, like an ancient sunken city, that's probably as close to uh, Atlantis as you get.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you, know, you don't
0: you don't believe Atlantis is real? We've I established that it. fact. No. Yes.
1: I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope uh, James Cameron finds it and I'll go take a submarine tour down to the sunken city of Atlantis or something. That
0: Plato is a damn liar. A, oh, that, that's what you're really saying.
1: Plato making up all these dialogues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is it open to the public? Can you just go dial it know. or
1: what's the story? Um, there? I don't know if it's open to the public. Actually. Hmm. Um, I know, uh, Let's see, uh, an archaeologist by the name of, I'm probably going to mess up his name, uh, Frank Gaudio um, found it in 1996. And uh, it's a small island. It's only about 1,200 acres and it's not that deep, apparently. Um, All the photos uh, that I'm seeing, it looks like they're only, uh, you know, 20, 30 feet down. Hmm. So, I mean, it might be. I don't know. that sounds like another question for Google whether or not that site is actually open to the public.
0: Google knows everything. Doesn't Google knows
1: everything. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, no, it's I mean that's interesting and yeah, I've read about Cleopatra's palace and that seems like just a a magnet for treasure hunting. So I wonder what the condition of the site cuz it's a relatively new site like you said 96 so yeah. it's relatively new. I wonder what what condition that site and if it's logistically hard to get to and you need permission. Yeah, i probably going to have some incredible diving there, but I wonder. I
1: don't. I don't think getting to the site would be hard. Um, if there are uh, legal issues um, involved in getting there, that would probably be the hardest thing to do. Because I mean, it was it's a port city basically. It's not that far off Egypt, and Egypt does have a, a dive industry, a very no yeah, very uh, healthy one, yeah. established dive industry um, there. So I. The logistics would probably be less hard to get there, so much as if you needed permission from the government to dive it, that would probably be the most difficult.
0: Yeah, well, we should we should find out. That sounds like a really oh, cool. I would like to go do that dive. I mean, yeah, can you imagine just like swimming around a sunken city that may or may not have been Cleopatra's palace? I mean, wow.
1: Yeah, how many people I mean, could say
0: that? Right, not a lot of people and, in the world could say that.
1: And Cleopatra, as a staple, as like a historical figure altogether. I mean, anything surrounding that is certainly significant. So that that would be a pretty cool dive.
0: Do you know of anything they've discovered there that, that points them towards it being Cleopatra's palace or not, or any, off any? the top of my
1: head? No. Oh, okay. Um, I mean. There's, let's see, other finds include a colossal stone head thought to be of Cleopatra's son, Caesarion, and a huge quartzite block with an engraving of a pharaoh and an inscription indicating it, that it depicts Seti I, Father of Ramses II. Um, so there's, there's some finds there, but I'm not seeing anything, oh, here we go, a uh, A pair of granite sphinxes flanked the statues, uh, one of which had the head of Cleopatra's father.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So Um, son and
0: father, you know, and and likeness are there. Yeah,
1: and that's, uh, it was by a small temple of Isis, uh, which these uh, life-size granite statues depicting the shaven-headed Egyptian priests, um, goddess Isis carrying a jar topped with images of Osiris.
0: Hmm, Interesting.
1: That's... Not not the best um, source of information, Wikipedia, but it's quick and available for the sake of this episode. Well,
0: that's good. I want to do that. Staying, so I'll do my third because we'll stay in Egypt. It's interesting that Egypt was both our third ones because Mm -hmm. we didn't plan this this way. But for me, my third one is, uh, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but I think it's uh, Thonis (laughs) Heracleon. (laughs) apologies apologies all i know is that it's called thonis or thonis by the egyptians and heracleion by the greeks so they just hyphenate it and that's the dive site Um, and basically it it is a city again that fell into the mediterranean after earthquakes a series of earthquakes it wasn't just kind of a massive earthquake like there was in in port royal it was a series of earthquakes uh, about a thousand years ago and one of the things that I really interests me about the site is that it is not open to recreational diving. I guess maybe I'm interested in, in sites that are not open to the public because uh, this is my second one on the you list. You want like it
1: because you can't have it. Yeah,
0: maybe that's it. I like <laughs> the forbidden fruit. But, um, but yeah, about. so it, it is only accessible to uh, research diving and underwater archaeologists. And there are current um, excavations going on right now, all right, uh, ongoing. Um, and it's really interesting. It's along the Nile, which again I've never been to Egypt, uh, so just that trip in general sounds interesting to me. Um, and the, the the city itself, uh, again, Thonis Heracleon, Her- Heracleion, I think, um, was inhabited. They say somewhere um, in in kind of the between the sixth and the fourth centuries, and it was a really important port to the city of Alexandria, which obviously, you know, the city of Alexandria is an important, um, you know, in our, in in that Mesopotamian expansion and so on and so forth. So super interesting there. And they have seen um, some Greco-Egyptian statues coming out of there, Greco-Egyptian gods. Um, There's been pottery discovered. uh, There's been coins. uh, And even they found entire temples I've uh, come out of there, which is pretty amazing, right? Right along the Nile uh, to find the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, I was reading that they found um, a, a fast galley wreck. So talk about your ships. They yeah. um, yeah. found a fast galley wreck. Uh, and that was kind of an ancient boat that was propell- propelled by oarsmen. So if yep. you've seen the uh, the the Marvel series Moon Knight, uh, I imagine this like boat, this fast galley wreck to be looking like the boat that they're on towards the end of the season. Um, yep. It's really interesting. Uh, but it's also obviously a burial ground right, for these, for these sailors, for these oarsmen. Um, the boats, I think around 80 feet, something like that, 80, 85 feet yeah. long. Um, and it's something like 2,200 years old and it's still preserved. Like, yeah, crazy, that right. Like it sounds like, so cool to be able to see that with your own eyes and beyond that. Yep. So, uh, that wreck for lots of reasons is very interesting to me. Um, and something that I would like to go and, and see from with my own
1: eyes. Yeah. You should look up the, uh, the Khufu ship. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. Yep. Um, that was, uh, they were, I, I don't remember whose tomb it was, but they, um, the sparrow, uh, they've, went down, I think it was Ramsey's, but they went into his tomb and they like couldn't figure out like the dimensions of the room. Hmm. So after, you know, a long debate of what they should do to the dive, uh, the dive site, to the, uh, the, the archeological site, they finally uh, decided to remove some stone bricking um, that they thought was that they hypothesized and were pretty sure that it was like a false wall. Hmm and they found his ship just in the tomb with him behind this hidden wall and so they had to dig all of that out and i think that was in the 1990s um, but yeah the egyptians were very big on sailing um and seafaring the, the nile runs from south to north um and so in order to fight the flow of the river they uh, use sails yeah and moving yeah. all those stones for the pyramids up and down they would actually like take some of those like big stone obelisks and they would rest it on these two ships and then they would use smaller boats to act kind of like tugboats, to like push these bigger ones around to navigate up and down the river.
0: Yeah. My understanding of this fast galley wreck is that it sank because it was loaded with stones, like something went wrong. And that's, that's the reason that it sank because they found the stones down there with it. And super. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, i I've, not been. So like I said, I would like to go to Egypt. In fact, one of my, one of my good friends and a, and a teammate of mine um, is there right now diving the Red Sea. And I just got off the phone um, the other day with uh, our old teammate that we did some training with. And he has a, pl- a trip planned, um to the Red Sea in February. And I'm like, gosh, I got to get on one of these. Everyone's going to the Red Sea all of a sudden. But, yeah. uh, but I would really, from what I mean, you think about things like the Sphinxes and, the pyramids and so on and so forth. Yeah. The logistics in getting the materials to the site in the first place are Mm -hmm. something. And so, yeah, the seafaring and and obviously waterways are a way to transport those materials. And so they're full of archeological relevance to that time period and beyond as well. So I don't know. Egypt, Egypt's definitely on the list. uh, And I think it's on a lot of divers bucket lists, but with this bent of underwater archaeology, it's super interesting as well because you're seeing things that, again, the average tourist isn't going to see, which I think is cool. But also, you're seeing pieces of a puzzle that um, that are super interesting. So, yeah.
1: Well, good. Uh, e- this has been viz- fun. What's viz- that? Viz- and the visit. Egypt? Good. Yeah. yeah, and the visit. Is good. No, the studying the history of Egypt really is like its own separate piece. So. Yeah,
0: there's whole like,
1: there's you know. a, there's so much there. It's ridiculous. By the way, have you, have you have you seen Moon
0: Knight? Stuff. The the have you I are have. you into it? Yeah, that was yeah, good. That it was, was good. Series. I'm waiting
1: for season two. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was some That's great fun. acting.
0: I wonder how we can connect Moon Knight to Kevin Bacon. I don't, I, I can't Actors.
1: do this. There's great <laughs> acting. There we go. One step. Moon Knight had actors, Kevin Bacon. Bacon Let's see
0: here. Let's ask Google if Kevin Bacon has ever been in an Egyptian movie. Um, Egyptian (laughs) uh, movie. Let's see. Kevin Bacon.
1: Are you pulling him up on IMDb? The Darkness
0: is what came up. Kevin Bacon, Egyptian movie, The Darkness. Let's see what this is all about a family unknowingly awakens an ancient supernatural entity on a grand canyon vacation and must fight for survival when it follows them home. Doesn't that really doesn't sound, sound like the Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Google failed us there. So bummer. <laughs> we'll find it later. Well, yeah. good, Greg, this has been fun. Um, I'm, I'm i I want to go on some of these dives. We should plan an Egypt trip and figure out, Hey, yeah. if you're listening out there and you run a charter in Egypt and can get us on some of these sites, like, Hit us up. We'll, we'll go. I, I want to go. Or just
1: any dives in general. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Wherever,
0: yeah, we, we, yeah. If wherever. you want a quarry and you want to come, <laughs> that was come out if
1: you're, if you're the proud owner of a rock quarry somewhere out there. <laughs> Greg and I will be there. <laughs>
0: You know, it's funny. I, I have to say, Greg, and, I, and maybe, maybe I don't know what episode three will in, in holds for us, but I have to say when I got into technical diving in general, you realize that there's your Rolodex of people that you'll get in the water with shrinks for those types of dives, right? Pretty, pretty dramatically, I would say, um, the people yeah. that you trust. Uh, and so anyway, I've been, I've been thinking about that because there's some dives I want to, I want to do that are, that are bigger dives, um, that I've been looking at and kind of planning out logistically like you and me and, and the, uh, Kevin or Kevin Wood who will be on the show. Um, I think he, he comes up next. I'm not sure. No, I think Ben's next. He's finishing his episodes and then Kevin, but, um, he'll be on the show later. Those are like that's like my dream team. Um, The three of us going to do some big dives. So we we need to plan something out uh, and and go do it. it. Would be a lot of fun.
1: I'm really touched that I actually made it to the roster of the dream team.
0: You made you made it. You're you're the you're the Charles Barkley to my Michael <laughs> Jordan. Not no, you're Michael Jordan. I'll be uh, I don't know Shaq. There we go. I'll be, oh, I'll be. all
1: right. Wait, we they go. weren't in the
0: same era. I'm screwed. I no, I, exactly. I really
1: do love basketball, and I just screwed all of that up. So apologies. I don't know anything about basketball. So you could have just been like, "Oh yeah, Shaq and Michael Jordan played ball yeah, Tiger Woods all the time. and uh, yeah, Tiger Woods um, is all on the John Bulls. LA. I think
0: yeah, they were all really really good. <laughs>
1: no, the dream team was the night the
0: Barcelona Olympics. You know, coming back from being a, a semi professional college that we sent college kids to the Olympics to finally sending professionals, and the dream team was exactly what it sounds like, the Dream Team. You know, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, I mean, Charles Barkley, did the, the, all the Illuminary names that you can imagine. Uh,
1: I can't imagine any of those Illuminary names because <laughs> I, I know who one of them is and I've heard of the other one.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> let me guess. You know who Michael Jordan is.
1: Well, yeah, who hasn't okay. seen Space Jam? Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: Space Jam was your introduction. Okay, all right, Michael I'll, I'll Troy, I'm gonna guess you have heard of Magic Johnson.
1: Yes, that is the not one. Who, okay, no, right. definitely not.
0: Okay, all right, all right. Wow, I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah good Magic guess. John. My dog is named Magic. After Magic uh, Johnson. After Magic Johnson. Well, from from me, my kids oh. think it's after like you know that he's his his full name is Magical Fantastical the Great, apparently. Uh, according to the kids. It is it's a very regal name. That's yeah. he, he deserves a statue or something. I don't know. Oh um, yeah,
1: you'll you'll never find anyone else with that name. It's true. It's true. I, I think it's Magic
0: Johnson. <laughs> That's why I signed off on the name. So
1: anyway, <laughs> other history, not
0: ancient history, modern history, basketball. Wonder if we can yeah. find any of those guys under the water.
1: Do you know uh any basketball players that are avid scuba divers?
0: I do not know. I do not know any none come to mind. Um Specifically, I do know Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead was an avid scuba diver. Really? Yeah, yeah. And actually, that I think that there's uh Halcyon came out with a with a wing, a tie dye wing. You know, and I don't know if it's an honor uh-huh. of Jerry Garcia or not, but it was, it was you know, Deadhead became known as the Deadhead Wing. um You know, colored wing. That's so. cool. I'm not no, really into the colors. Uh, give it to me in black is always my question, but I'm glad there are people that are into the colors. That's, that's not my
1: thing. I'd be down to dive it. I mean, like, how else? Because, like, if everyone's wearing, like, a black dry suit with a black wing and everyone looks, how are you going to know who's who underwater, you yeah. know?
0: see, Well, see, this is my point. Everyone else go get colors, and then I'll be the guy in black. There you go. Perfect. I'll be the different one. I mean, Jolly. The, remember we talked about this already? You know, the, the black flag, all that stuff. You know, that's, oh, that's yeah. me. I, Jolly does Roger. It come, does it come in black? Yeah. So, the man in black, Johnny Cash, one of my favorite artists. Oh, there we go. Johnny See, Cash, we're getting there.
1: it was Johnny Cash a diver. Oh, I wish. But no. Yeah, probably not. I don't think so.
0: I don't think so. so I don't know any, like, none, no famous people that I respect <laughs> come, to, come to mind of, like, also being avid divers outside of Jerry Garcia. So I I can't think of.
1: When you you talk about the the tie dye wing coming from Halcyon, something that I learned um, that going back to actually diving about Halcyon is very interesting. So the name Halcyon in, um, I think it's uh, like East Asian uh, mythology was a, a mystical Kingfisher bird that would lay its eggs in the middle of the ocean on the winter solstice and bring calm seas. Hmm. So the name Halcyon for uh, diving equipment name is actually very fitting if you uh, think about it.
0: I wonder if that was the intent or if it was just like this I sounds cool. I don't know.
1: I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, but It's yeah.
0: always that way. Like the Nike sounded like, you know if you've read that whole thing, the swoosh you know, Mark or whatever is, you know, the story behind that's pretty interesting. And now it all makes sense, but at the time it was not as well intended as, (laughs) (laughs) as now the backstory goes. Well, isn't there something about that history is won by the victors or written by the victors? Uh, Yeah. There's
1: a history is written by the victors. That's like an old thing, but yeah.
0: So you'd say like Nike didn't make it, then that swoosh was really lame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah
1: well yeah history is written well history is constantly being rewritten and revised so uh, whether it's created by the victors or if it's created by historians themselves and the depiction of history you know that's a uh, always something that's a that's a deep conversation that we don't have Ooh. to go into on in a Ooh. scuba diving podcast yeah, but. no
0: no let's skip that one <laughs> for now
1: All right, well, that was the longest wrap-up
0: I've ever been on, but worth it. We covered basketball, you
1: know, Jerry Garcia, Halcyon,
0: Halcyon, you know, history being written by, you know, the the victors. Uh, That's a good wrap-up. History
1: Um, is written by divers. There you go. go
0: There we go, yeah, especially ones that try to kill each other. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so today we've we've covered Desert Island Dives, uh, the underwater archaeology edition if you're listening out there, we want to hear your thoughts. What are some dive sites you've wanted to put your Indiana Jones hat on and go explore? Uh, what is interesting about that site to you? What are the dives maybe that you've already been on that were of archeological interest to you where you discovered something or, or whatever it would be. Reach out, Greg and I want to know your stories (laughs) because we're keep on talking to each other. So we gonna talk to other people.
1: Uh, yeah. Over to you, Greg. No, uh, thanks for having me on for episode two. And, uh, I look forward to episode three. And
0: yeah, that, who knows what it awaits.
1: Yeah, and yeah. go out and discover some cool stuff and dive on some cool wrecks and learn the history of those wrecks. Every, uh, every ship has some form of history to it. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, some crazy disaster that was written about in the news. You know? Did
0: you just reference Titanic? <laughs> You did it, didn't you? You couldn't well, get it. Well, yeah. I mean
1: I yeah. did mention that if James Cameron ever finds it living, <laughs> I'll go on the submarine tour with yeah, I
0: yeah, like these subtle these subtle subtle Titan Titan blows
1: there. Yeah. I, I mean I I wasn't going there, but Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Maybe that's episode three. <laughs> it is diving related. The archaeological
0: you know, like... site of the Titan. Uh
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, I, uh, the Titanic it's too, oh, too soon. No, they found it. Yeah, I know. They they brought up the sub.
0: Yeah, I know. Oh, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. They oh, they. Brought, I, I thought they I only found they the scraps. The thing, but when I when I Parts. saw pictures. It looked like a crumbled up. Yeah. Metal mess. Oh, so, what a, what a story there is.
0: Yeah, that's. Cool. Well, well, maybe crazy. maybe when, yeah, we'll another day another day. Well, good. If you've uh, enjoyed this episode and want to be a part of our community. Join us, making sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Spotify or Apple or, I don't know, snail mail. Uh, but make sure that you get notified when our new episodes drop and on YouTube, which I'm excited to say at this point. So you can see Greg and I's lovely faces, uh, faces that are built for radio. And you can see them on, on the screen, the big screen, if you have one at home and want to watch it that way. Go for it but make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to make sure that you get notified when new episodes stop drop. So thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of the dive table.